Hello, hello, hello. What's up, everybody? This is Supriya Mehra, your mortgage advisor, and you're listening to the Canadian Real Estate 101 podcast. More people than ever are building generational wealth through real estate. And on this show, I sit down with some of the top real estate agents, lawyers, accountants, and investors to discuss the ideas, the opportunities, and the strategies that they are taking advantage of so the rest of us can do the same. Hello and welcome to another episode of Canadian Real Estate 101 podcast. This is your host, Supriya Mehra, welcoming you. As we are experiencing rising interest rates, many listeners who are on a variable term are becoming very nervous. Markets are expecting another rate hike of roughly 75 to 100 beeps by the end of this year. If your nervousness or anxiety is hitting all-time high and you need someone to give you their objective opinion along with what options you might have in the current market, feel free to schedule a call with me. You can call or text me at 647-998-7527 or email me at supriyameheramortgages at gmail.com to schedule a call and I would be happy to provide you with various options that will suit you based on your situation. In today's episode, we have Liz Enriquez from Ambitious Adulting. She is a Canadian personal finance mentor. She helps Canadians save money, start a side hustle, and learn to invest. She saved over 100K before turning 27, and now she helps millennials reach their ambitious money goals. Ambitious Adulting is a platform that simplifies personal finances so you can save more, make more, and reduce stress about money. She currently runs online courses, offer one-on-one ambitious clarity sessions, and run events. In this episode, Liz shares her story about becoming financially secure and how you can do it too. She shares some insights on how she saved for a down payment and what are some common things to budget when it comes to owning a home. So without further ado, let's get rolling. Hi, Liz. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Well, I'm glad that it wasn't last week because you're just recovering from uh, a bit of illness that you had, but I'm glad that you're sounding so much better now and uh, so pumped to have you on the show today. So thank you. Really appreciate your time. I'm excited and I'm happy I'm feeling better because last week was pretty much a write-off. Yeah, I can imagine. All right, so let's move, let's start the show. And uh, before we get into the topic for today, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, what you've been helping people these days with, and yeah, what in general life looks like for you? Yeah, my name is Liz, and I have a blog and a platform called Ambitious Adulting. I started it when I bought my first property um, back in 2016. I was 24 years old. I just recently graduated university. Uh, I was going through a really kind of painful breakup. And so it was definitely one of those catalytic moments in my life. Um, So I bought a house. I searched for a month. I put in the offer and I got the keys almost immediately. So my house, my first house buying process was really, really quick. It was a crash course on down payments, mortgages, uh, everything real estate and I started blogging about that that blog 
did well, it became successful. I was able to monetize my audience, um, create courses, do public speaking, quit my full-time job and ambitious adulting became my full-time job. And now I help millennials uh, manage their personal finances through education. So it's been really fun. And when I got pregnant um, and had my baby last year, I started a new brand called Ambitious Parenting. And that's when I focus all about personal finances for new parents and people who want to be parents in the near future. Okay. Sounds like <clears throat> a great idea because I'm sure with um, rising costs of everything, inflation sitting at 8.18.2% from uh, you know, July's data, uh, I'm sure all that information is super helpful. And when people see that somebody has done it, I think they feel motivated that, uh, and inspired that they can do it as well. So congratulations for you know carrying on that journey, being able to quit your full-time job and uh, able to help so many Canadians, um, I'm sure. Uh, or even, I, I don't know exactly uh, your clientele, is it just Canadians or you serve? Mostly Canadians. I have worked with a few Americans, but um, you know, the TFSA is different, the RSP is different, even our housing market is different. And so a lot of the information is relevant, like how to save, how to budget, the basics of investing, but ultimately most of my information is for Canadians. Fair enough. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. So since you uh, recently bought or not so recent in 2016, it was your first purchase. How is that experience? Uh, what were some of the common questions that you noticed that uh, your audience was asking around that time? And how did you feel about home purchasing um, at that time? It was very different from even so i bought that property in 2016 and then i bought my duplex in 2018 and even just in those two years the process was really different because i remember 2016 everything was still pen and paper i was doing all my transactions on my lunch break and i worked near the bank where my mortgage was running back and forth to the bank signing documents, you know, talking to the mortgage specialist and then running back to work. And it was definitely a lot more um, hands on. I remember printing things. I didn't have a scanner. My my realtor had to come pick up all the documents. Uh, so it was so much more paperwork. And maybe that was just my experience. And that was just kind of how it happened for me. But then 2018, I started getting things on DocuSign and HelloSign and all these digital things. I'm like, this is so much better. So, you know, I think the industry is always changing and I haven't bought property during the pandemic or after, and I'm sure it's even more different now. So that's always been interesting to me that, you know, it's just constantly different. Um, and one of the most common questions was uh, how I saved up for a down payment. Everyone's like, where did you get this money from? Like, it must be nice to have rich parents. And that's not the reality for me. My parents were all immigrants. Um, I moved from Mexico with my family when we were young. I paid for my tuition. I paid for all my trips. I paid for uh, all my rent. And um, I paid for both my houses. So, you know, how was I able to do that? And that's really how uh, I started my blog. Because I'm like, well, I feel like I'm 
like relative, I wouldn't even say I'm frugal. I just live below my means and I am a hustler. So I've started two businesses. I had a full-time job. Um, my first business was social media management. So I was managing social media accounts on top of my full-time job. And then I started blogging for ambitious adulting, started doing brand partnerships, started doing sponsored posts, started doing courses. And so I've always been looking for ways to increase my income, but my lifestyle has re stayed relatively the same for the last decade. I'm not out there buying a whole bunch of new stuff, even though I've doubled my income or added like, you know, an extra couple thousand dollars a month. I just save and invest that extra and don't spend that money. I just, when I had my full-time job and then my two side hustles on the side, I just lived off of the one day job income and saved and invested the rest. And that's why I was able to kind of quickly accelerate and save at a young age. That's really commendable. And I know a lot of people struggle with that because uh, that's one of the top questions I receive as a mortgage advisor. How would you suggest that we save for a down payment? What do you advise for first-time home buyers? Uh, because I think it's the biggest challenge is for first-time home buyers. Uh, when you're purchasing your second property, typically you have built um, some equity from your first home so you can upgrade uh, when you're purchasing second or third home. But what are some of the strategies that you recommend as a coach, as a finance coach, when you're teaching adults about how to save for down payment other than perhaps ability to, of course, increase income through a side hustle? What are some other strategies that you would recommend? I think the reality is that there's only two strategies, maybe three. The two strategies are you have to either find a way to increase your income and live below your means so that you can save the surplus or the difference, or you have to drastically decrease your expenses. Combining those two is the most efficient way. A lot of people don't want to decrease their expenses or they can't. They're like, I'm literally living paycheck to paycheck. There's nothing I can cut out. And I almost think I was in that category. I'm like, there's nothing else I can cut out. Like I didn't have a car. I was cooking at home. I was doing all these things that people say to do. And I still wasn't really saving a lot of money on the side. So I was like, well, then I have to increase my income. Like there's no other way. So what people could do is either ask for a raise, switch jobs, or what I did is start a business on the side. And starting a business is, you know, definitely a risky route, but there are a lot of low risk side hustles that I would even say social media management is one of the lowest risks because my startup costs were nothing. I just used my phone and my laptop. I YouTubed how to be a marketing manager. I YouTubed it because I have a geography degree. I didn't even go to school for marketing yet. Now I've helped over, I don't even know, 40 brands grow their brands through campaigns and marketing strategies because I taught myself on YouTube. So yeah, increasing your income. And then the third way is if you're lucky enough to have generational wealth. So people around you who can help with the down payment, but that's not the reality for a lot of people. So for most of us, we either have to decrease our expenses or increase our income and then combine those two. Yeah. And definitely challenge on both the sides. You have to be up for opting uh, maybe a combination of both. So say, for example, if you're renting somewhere, perhaps if there's an alternative where you can go to your parents and save on that rent, that $1,000, $1,500 does add to your down payment. 
And then if you can, from the very beginning, even from your first job, whatever it might be, if you can start putting funds towards RSP so that, you know, even if it's a bit, you don't see that money, but it eventually, you know, it's growing. But if you don't ha- see it, then you don't spend it and you live within or under your means, like you said. Right? Yeah. And the other two things that made the biggest difference when I really think back and reflect on how I was able to do things was I didn't have any debt. I never had student debt because I worked full time while I went to school full time. So I was working on the weekends at two jobs. Um, evenings, weekends. And so I was paying my tuition while I was in school. And then I graduated debt free. And because I didn't have to spend any of my paycheck money paying off any debt repayment through credit cards or student loans, I was able to save that chunk that normally goes into debt and invest it. I also started investing in 2009, which was right after the housing market uh, collapsed. So you know, that was kind of lucky, I guess, because I was able to ride the wave up when the stock prices were low. And it's not like I made a ton of money in like four years because then I pulled out my money because people are like, oh, that's how she made her money in the stock market. I'm like, I was only investing for four years. Like it's, I didn't like double my money. I made a few hundred bucks, maybe a few thousand bucks. Um, but all of that in combination helped. Yeah, it every penny counts, right? And that's that's the key. Uh, wherever you can either have an opportunity to increase your income or have an opportunity to dis- decrease your expenses, that's the only way that it's, you can. it's there's there's a math equation like yeah. to find a surplus of money, you need to have uh, more money than you spend. For sure. Now, once you became the homeowner what were some of the expenses that you didn't think would incur or when you're helping your clients, what do you suggest them that as a homeowner, they should budget for X, Y, Z, other than obviously the, you know, mortgage payment plus your property taxes and utilities. What are some other expenses that you see that doesn't get budgeted or overlooked and comes as a surprise for first time home buyers? I think one of the biggest ones is probably maintenance and upkeep. I also tell people like, don't reinvent the wheel. There are tons of spreadsheets and lists out there of like expenses for new homeowners and make sure when you're going through the home buying process to download those lists so that you know what to expect. All the information is out there, but type it into Google. What are some of the expenses to expect? And I, I remember I had one of those and I, it even told you like one of the online calculators I used gave you projections of expenses in that area. So it would say something like, in general, like utility costs are this much for your area. And so that I was able to kind of understand, okay, how much money is gonna be coming out every month for those basics, um, you know, utilities, hydro, all that stuff. But then on top of that, save a little bit for, if your furnace breaks down, if a tree falls on your house like some of these things insurance can help cover but some of these things you kind of need like a house emergency fund because i know so many people who bought houses and very shortly after had to replace the furnace or had to replace the ac that happened at my prop my rental property the ac clunked out in a few months so then we had to spend i think it was like five thousand dollars on ac and luckily i was prepared but that happens yeah 
Yeah, no, for sure. These unexpected costs, especially maintenance kind of creeps up quite a bit. Uh, and especially if you're not super handy or some of the things, even if you're handy, there's not much you can do about them. Like in AC repair or changing the AC completely. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know how to fix that. Yeah. <laughs> like, we have no idea how to do that. Um, so you definitely need professionals on board. So I, I do find maintenance is one of the bigger ticket items. So always have an emergency fund or a side fund where, you know, all these expenses can be funded from. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't make a hit, doesn't put a dent on your regular monthly cash flow per se. Yeah. Um, now, when you're helping clients budget, how much do would you say the percentage of your income should actually go towards home expenses like your mortgage, insurance, uh, et cetera, et cetera? The traditional advice is 30%, but I don't know anyone who can keep that estimate realistic. For most people, they're spending 50 to 60% of their income and oftentimes combined income if you're in a partnership on housing. And that's just because rent is so expensive. And if you're going to be a first time home buyer, you're probably renting and so much of your income is going to that. So there are suggested numbers, but that's not really the reality for a lot of people. The only way I think it's a reality is if you are sharing with roommates and keeping your expenses really low or living at home and paying your parents or whoever a family member or a friend a discounted rate if you're paying market rent it's probably higher than 30 percent okay got it and especially with the current rental prices that we are seeing it's a huge hike in terms of uh, the current rental market um, it's pretty challenging to find unless you have been in a contract or you have been in the current lease for a very long time mm -hmm. story. But if you're new to the country, if you're shopping around, getting a rental lease at this time is uh, very challenging. Not only are they expensive, but the supply is also very limited. Like we're yeah. bidding wars actually happening on rentals because, uh, it's harder for people to get qualified for a mortgage or they're new or whatever the circumstances. Mm -hmm. uh, the only option they currently have is to rent, unfortunately. Or, yeah. I mean, I shouldn't put it. There's a few options, but it, yeah. Yeah, the common one. Exactly, exactly. Now, um, you had mentioned that you purchased your first duplex in 2018. Mm -hmm. uh, walk me through that experience or 2019, whenever. The yeah, I think it's a, now that I'm thinking about it, I think it was 2019. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you did mention 2018 before I was. Yeah. Like, and now I'm like, wait, I think it was 2019. Yeah. Okay. Let's say 2019. And uh, what made you kind of invest in real estate? What made you consider uh, putting that 20% down towards buying an additional property and becoming a landlord. And my uh, sub question to that would be, what in your opinion are some of the pros and cons of having an investment property or being a landlord per se? I decided to buy a duplex for a few reasons. One, I preach a diversified portfolio. So I've been investing in the stock market since 2019, 2018, 20, or sorry, 2009. Yeah, 2009. So over a decade. And that's been going well. And, you know, the stock market was performing well and everything was doing good. But I thought I should diversify into real estate. I have my primary residence and most millionaires 
have real estate in their portfolio. So for me, it was a very um, strategic tool for diversification. I met a few people who were into real estate and I'm like, I can probably do it too. You know, it didn't seem as scary. And I started listening to podcasts and just kind of networking with other people who had gone into real estate. And I thought, okay, I can do it. And I, I know a few people who are doing it now. So if I run into any trouble, like I can ask for advice. And so just seemed accessible for me. Pros and cons. Pros, it's a duplex and so it cash flows. So, you know, that's always a plus when your rental property cash flows, meaning I get money that comes in. I reinvest that money so I don't consider it income. Um, also the appreciation that the tenant's paying down the mortgage. Cons, also because it's a duplex, the neighbors have to get along. And, you know, there's a few times when there's issues and you have to be the middle person. And I'm like, I don't really want to be a middle person between adults that should be able to handle this. But that's kind of your position as the landlord. Things break down. We've had leaks. We've had the AC breaking down. We've had things that happen. So yeah, there's a few pros and cons, but so far the, the pros outweigh the cons. Okay. Makes sense. Sorry. I didn't ask you this earlier. Did you decide to purchase in Ontario itself? Like where? Yeah. The- just outside Toronto. Just outside of Toronto. Okay. All right. Sounds good. And um, what, what do you feel about the market? Like in, um, you know, based on current inflation that we're seeing, obviously, and interest rates are hiking up. What are your thoughts? Would you want to be uh, proceeding with another purchase anytime soon? Or would you, are you looking into investing in lower stocks at this time and then anticipating some kind of appreciation happening over the years? Yeah, I think even before the rates, the rate hikes, even before the housing market, my husband and I decided we don't really want to be landlords to a large portfolio. We want to be hands off. We just wanted the one property um, and possibly converting our primary residence into a rental. And so the third property we had in mind would be our forever home, bigger, more yard space, more room for our kids. And so we'd have the duplex and then the downtown house that we currently live in. And so we're still kind of playing around with that idea, but there's no rush. Uh, for us, we're really trying to, you know, be strategic um, and, and we feel comfortable right now with the two properties. And so right now I'm not on this accelerated path and it's not that I'm slowing down either. It's just that we're waiting for the timing to be right between the market, stock market, real estate market, our personal life, our kids life, you know, we'll just kind of feel it out. Yeah. And I appreciate your thoughts on that because I don't want people to feel always in a rush that they have mm-hmm. to go ahead and make that rushed decision about either first time home buying or moving into their you know other home or purchasing an investment property. You do it when you feel right about it and right. the timing needs to be right. And nobody can really dictate when the timing is right unless you do your numbers, obviously, but also internally you feel ready because you have to feel good or else you're going to live with regret and guilt and shame and embarrassment. People are like embarrassed because they rushed into the market at the highest peak. And I'm like, well, it is what it is. You can't change it now. Yeah. 
as far as you can, you know, carry on for next two, three years and, you know, ride the storm uh, or you can, you can weather the storm. And I think long-term people will still be okay. Like balance there, we will see the uptick come again. It's just a cycle that, you know, we, we are um, in declining market currently, but through history, we have seen the prices come back and, accelerate again over a number of years. Obviously it takes time and nobody has that crystal ball as to at what time, what will happen, what incidents needs to happen in order for us to come back to that pace. But at the same time, you know, looking at immigration happening, um, the numbers are still stolid and uh, there is a true housing crisis. Like there Mm -hmm. is housing uh, supply uh, issue we our demand is much higher compared to the supply so I think in long term um, if you have that vision of long term then you're fine of course if the vision was you know we're gonna buy we're gonna flip and then we're gonna turn it around in the next few months it you might be in a tough spot but yeah. hopefully you know um, hopefully they had a support team who who had different exit strategies available at uh, at that time if you know running different scenarios is is the key like i said mm-hmm, absolutely okay perfect so um any final takeaways that you'd like to summarize for us liz that uh, perhaps we should have talked about and we didn't touch on i think my parting words for anyone listening um is just to know that there's a lot of experts and people with lots of knowledge that can answer your questions. Cause I remember when I was house hunting the first time I was too embarrassed to ask questions because I didn't fully understand a down payment. I didn't fully understand bills. I actually didn't even know what bills I was supposed to pay um, because I had just been renting as a student and it was just all inclusive. I never had to set up my utilities, my internet. I never had to set it up. It just all came with my student basement room, you know? Um, and so I went from that and then jumped straight into home ownership. And I had no clue, like Electra was a thing, Union Gas, that you rented a, a water heater. I didn't know any of these things. And I kind of messed up a few times because I didn't call to set things up properly. And so luckily my real estate agent was sending me reminders, like, did you set this up? I'm like, I don't even know what that is. And so if you're a first time home buyer, there's going to be a lot of things that you don't know what things are. You might not even know you had to ask that question because it's a whole new world. Don't be afraid to ask questions. There's professionals out there who are literally paid to do their job to help you and navigate home ownership and rent, you know, um, can be a landlord. There's experts for that too. So don't navigate the process alone. And that's kind of my final uh, piece of advice. Yeah, great, great piece of advice. And if somebody wants to reach out to you and uh, perhaps learn more, follow you on social media, connect with you, uh, what's the best way? What are your social media handles and what's your contact information? I'm on TikTok and Instagram under Ambitious Adulting. And I also have a free Facebook group um, for comedians that have questions about finances, real estate, side hustling, and that's called Personal Finance for Canadian Millennials. Sounds great. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Liz, for your time today. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you.
So there you go, my friends. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I know it's not easy to save for that down payment or pay down that debt, but if you're committed towards the goal and dream of home ownership, it's certainly not impossible. You just need to be aware of your numbers, track your money, live below your means, have a plan to pay off the debt, start investing, educate yourself about finance, and review your goals and finances regularly. Hope this helps you in your journey of home ownership. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me at 647-998-7527 or email me at supriyameramortgages at gmail.com. Until next time, you take care and have a fantastic day.